Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Dan and as always I'm joined by Natalie. We're coming immediately off of the back of what feels like a real watershed moment for Chelsea. One of the more outrageous and uncomfortable football dramas I've ever seen with Kepa completely undermining Sari in the cup final by refusing to leave the pitch. And I ask Natalie, is that what you would do if you were a footballer? What, refuse to leave the pitch? Yes. In my head at first, I was like, oh, he doesn't want to come off because he's not injured. He thought he was, everyone thought he was injured and that's why he's coming off. But after I understood that actually it wasn't about the injury, it was about them not wanting him to do the penalties. Yeah. I, like, actually... you can't, like, that's like me being like, okay, I'm going to put Giroud on to take a penalty. Um, can say you come off because you can't do penalties, for example. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm, I'm not sure it strictly was because they wanted him to take penalties because Kepa did go down twice. Like, he had cramp twice. And understandably, the manager was like, if you're going to keep falling over yeah. and, like, holding your leg on the ground, but I'm going to take you off. If, like, regardless, if the manager decides that you're coming off because... Of whatever reason, exactly. You, that's what you do. Like that, that's it, right? When Pedro that's... came off because Hazard was coming on, like Pedro wasn't like, no, I don't want to come off. He didn't go, no, I'm gonna score a penalty later, yeah, or I'm gonna score a goal later, yeah. So therefore, I refuse to come off. It was crazy, and for me, Kepa's drawn a line in the sand, and you have to think that this makes Chelsea a massive risk in the coming weeks. Um, but before we get into our review of game week twenty seven. If you get to the end and realise you enjoyed this podcast, then please do give us a follow on Twitter, at The Denalysis, and also drop us a five-star rating on iTunes, as that will help us reach more lovely listeners like yourself. Right, so aside from the Chelsea drama, what week it's been? Spurs have been hit with the curse of being spoken about as title challengers yet again, and their fans must be very mad about it. But if you cast your minds back to last week's pod, uh, Mystic Nat, you knew this would happen all along. I did, and shout out to Kieran Whitehouse also who uh, remembered, recalled, (laughs) that we had made this hot take of Burnley will win because they haven't lost a game since Heaton came back in. I think it's eight unbeaten now. Yeah. Uh, And Spurs can't draw. So the only option was for Burnley to win. It was simple arithmetic, really. We just, uh, we did the math. Uh, So there we go. Done done and dusted. Two questions. (laughs) Well, the second one's more of a, you know, you tell us about this, but how does it feel to be a footballing genius? And when you finish that, talk us through the Burnley performance. Uh, it feels good, but not shocking. I mean, I don't think anyone is shocked, are they? Burnley, I thought they were, they were good. They were Burnley. Like, they were Burnley of last season. Like, I guess everyone's forgotten the fact that they finished seventh last year. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't have, because... R- remember there was a time earlier in the season where... Everyone was starting to to panic and be like, oh my god, Burnley are going down. It looks so, so different now. I don't worry that much, but um, I was a little concerned. Well, not specifically you, though, but I mean, a lot of the the media coverage and just general discourse around football. Like, Mm. I remember speaking to a lot of people who were saying um, that Burnley are in trouble. And I was, at the time, I was kind of like, well, they'll be fine. Like, they have a good manager, they have a decent squad and they have a way of playing that does work. But they do seem to go on these long stretches of, of really bad runs. Yeah. 
and then they they come back and they look like one of the the better teams in the league with a really unique style yeah so, i guess um, the standout thing for burnley at the moment is that they're scoring which yeah. is obviously something that they've never been particularly prolific at it's always been like good defense and then a goal here and there when they can but at the moment the goals are happening freely yeah and that's a really good point because i think when burnley are at their best they're not taking like 20 30 shots a game or even 10 on on many occasions it's more that their finishing is on point and that's really been the uh, the change in their fortune recently. It's been a, a big driving force behind it. Um, if you look at the second goal, Barnes's goal, where Goodmanson basically screws up his shot massively, mm. but it just falls to the right man at the right time, just goes all the way through to Barnes. Yeah. It seems like the luck has started falling on their side. Yeah, interestingly as well, like the first time I saw it, I was like, what is Wood doing? And it looks like Wood just misses it. Yeah. But then when you saw it from a different angle, it's clear that Wood actually like steps back from it or like doesn't purposefully oh, right. doesn't take it. There's like a You know, I didn't notice that. I thought he just missed it. No, I don't think so. So there was one like behind Goodmanson. Yeah. There was one camera like kind of like facing Wood, but there was one camera angle kind of pointing back across the goal past where Barnes was. And from mm-hmm. that angle you could see that it looked more like Wood had left it for Barnes. That's interesting. I, I, I don't know if that's true that, or not, but that's... <laughs> I only, and I only saw that angle once, yeah. but that's what it looked like. Yeah. Well, I trust your judgment on this one. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it was a, was a really, really nice goal in the end. Some really good play from... Uh, I was going to call him Barnsley then. Burnley. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they were excellent overall, and I think they really restricted the opportunities that Spurs could have. Uh, Chris Wood as well like so him and Barnes both scoring for fun at the moment and you have to say like no one really owns them I mean no. I haven't looked at the percentages let but... me tell you I'll tell you Barnes 5.6 million 1.9% owned wow four goals and an assist in the last four game weeks Wood 6.2 million so a little more 0.7% owned yeah four goals in the last four game weeks and max bonus points in all, in three of those games. Yeah, and I found out earlier that Wood and Barnes, I think yes. respectively, are the second, second and third and top scorers of 2019. Oh right, no, that, oh, that, that is, not what wasn't you even saying? the one I was going to say. No, I was oh, going to say well, that they're, also. They're second and fourth in the um, form table for strikers. Wow. Behind only Aguero and I think it's I think it's Wood who's in fourth, but I could be wrong. It could be the other way around. Mm. Uh, but yeah, they're absolutely killing it. And I do know that Barnes was spoken about a lot like before Christmas, but Wood has gone completely under the radar as well. And they definitely, man, I could have had either one of them instead of Arnautovic and been flying right now. So yeah, really, really impressive from them. And it seems they're back on classic Burnley form, really, with Newcastle and Crystal Palace up next. So you yeah. have to say, like, those are two two tough teams, but also uh, considering their form. Yeah, I think if you need if you need to downgrade a striker or you need to free up some money, there are definitely options that you you could be mm. looking at. Defensively, not quite so much because they just don't keep clean sheets this year. It seems it's uh, yeah. but perhaps the other talking point in this game was oh, Mr. Kane. He's mm. come back. What did you think of his performance? Um, well, there was a stat that I read before the game that after 
over the last two seasons, he's had three ankle injuries and in the, his first game back after each injury, he scored. Yeah. So it wasn't shocking that he scored. I thought he was fine, but he is 12.4 and that seems like way too much money for Kane in this Spurs team, especially because they face Chelsea away next and who knows what that means. Um, and then it's the North London derby next weekend. Like, I don't know what that means, but it feels so uncertain to get Kane in for this at this time. And also, Son was completely anonymous for this entire hmm. game. I didn't see Sononymous. Him. Exactly. If I didn't already have a title for this episode lined up, that would be it. <laughs> we got two. We can just... I, I can drop that again next week, hopefully, if he plays really badly. So, yeah, not, not interested. Not inspired. Does not spark joy. Yeah, uh, 12.4 is really the the biggest pointer here, isn't it? Like, if we look at Aubameyang and Aguero, both very, very brilliant options in that, that price bracket. Yeah. And... You'd definitely get Aguero, wouldn't you? You wouldn't yeah. even think twice about it if that's what you I were, don't think if you were looking to change your bits around. Yeah, I don't think there's any point this season where I've looked at Kane and thought he is a must-have, or even close to that, being in that conversation. Um. I certainly think if you're going to look anywhere, just Son is still the, the guy, really. Uh, they they didn't create many chances against Burnley. We all knew how Burnley were going to play because it's always how Burnley try and play. And I think there were warning signs of this sort of performance or this sort of result happening for Spurs because if you look at a lot of their recent games, the one I mentioned last week was the win against Newcastle where effectively Newcastle kept them out and Son took a, a hopeful shot and Dubravka just kind of pathetically palmed it into his own net. So it's been the kind of thing that you could see happening. Maybe you just didn't quite expect them to lose to, to Burnley. But yeah, like you say, Chelsea up next. God knows what state of mind they'll be in after today's drama. So the one thing I would say is if you have Son um, and you're thinking, oh crap, like he's got a couple of hard fixtures, probably hold on to him, right? Because Chelsea... I guess there's going to be more that comes out about this uh, this drama with Kepa. And if Caballero ends up in goal. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, he's he's drawn his line in the sand and potentially created a divide here. So I think Spurs against Chelsea, that, that seems like a, a fairly good fixture, potentially. Uh, but yeah, 12.4 for Kane, that's way too much money. Um, even if you're doing a straight swap, you know, getting someone like Salah out of your team, which considering their fixtures seems like a, a bad time to do it. But that's the only way I can really see Kane fitting into your team without some, some significant downgrades. So I'd probably put that one on ice for now. Uh, Newcastle putting a, a dominant performance, well, as dominant as most teams seem to against Huddersfield, I guess. Have you read how many shots Newcastle had? I have, actually. Oh, unfortunate. Yeah, 29 in Just total. Just the 29. And how many did Huddersfield have? I think it was three. I it didn't write that down. three. Yeah, and I think they had one on target, whereas mm-hmm. Newcastle had 12. So there were multiple big saves from Lursal in this game, actually. Uh, 10. 10 saves overall. Oh, wow. Really? I did see he got a bonus point. I, yeah, he I was on five was points at the end 10. of the thing. Damn. So, yeah, perhaps the most... Uh, the most interesting or most exciting thing, perhaps if you're a Newcastle fan, is the sheer amount of shots and clear-cut chances they were able to create. 
uh, a number in particular, like uh, Almiron running through on goal and chipping the goalkeeper only to hit the post. And there were just quite a, yeah, quite a few dramatic saves from Lassell. So I think Newcastle, considering they are a team who are playing in game week 31, if you're not planning to free hit then, and also looking at Newcastle's next four game weeks with uh, Burnley, West Ham, Everton and Bournemouth, they're definitely ones to consider. Mm. Uh, so there, any of these on your watch list? You you bringing any of them in this week or, or thinking about it? Well, I bought Sharon uh, last minute on Friday because... A good move? Yeah. Well, I had, and I bought him in for Zanka as well. So in fact, an excellent move. Um, yeah, plus five points. Yeah. The thing is, Sharon is now 4.7. And I actually don't know how I feel about that price for a Newcastle defender. Yeah. Um, some of the others, like Yedlin is cheap. I think he's only 4.5. I think any of the starting defenders are, you might as well have if you're looking for a defender. Why not? YOLO, go for I'd it. I'd agree. So what, there's Lejeune, Lascelles, um, Cher, Yedlin. Mm-hmm. I, I think Lejeune they're all good options. cheap as well, I think. He's only like 4.5. Yeah. Four or three or some some I don't know. Obviously, he didn't write this down because like, who needs notes? <laughs> it well, he missed a lot of the season through injury, and he's come back and looked really good. So, I think there's actually yeah, there's not much to choose between these guys, mm. and they're all. I mean, Newcastle are quite consistent performers, so it really depends on your budget. I would go for share like you if I have the budget, but if I'm maybe trying to save for someone in particular. Yeah. I would um I would just go to someone like Yedlin or someone like uh, Lejeune instead. Uh but yeah, they were I thought they were brilliant in this game. What stood out the most was not only were they defensively solid, but that was against Huddersfield, so make of that what you will. Mm. But the fact they had so many shots at home where they've been quite bad this season overall, and just the way that their front three linked up, so uh Perez, Rondon and Almiron all look like options now and they're all around the six million mark. I think Perez is the most expensive at 6.1. Uh, Almiron is 6.0. He's a midfielder though, so more points for goals. And uh, Rondon, 5.8, unless yeah. he's risen at all. No, 5.8 still. So it was really it was really Rondon's day with a goal and assist, but it could have easily been Almiron or Perez uh, purely because of how, how well they played. I definitely think one of those depending on your your team makeup mm. one of those should be an essential coming into this this period where they have a bunch of good fixtures and a uh fixture on game week 31 do you fancy any of their attackers do you think it's do you think it's worth maybe even doubling up on them or just the one i definitely don't think i'd double up mm. uh i'd get one if i had the space i don't really have the space or the money almiron's just a little bit too expensive yeah uh for me and i'm happy well i'm not particularly happy with Aubameyang but it is what it is um but I'm happy with Barnes and Jimenez at the Hmm. moment so yeah that's a good point Um, I can't fit them in my team but if you're definitely if you're looking for like a differential and you can afford one of those yeah personally I think Almiron kind of stands out because you have more slots in midfield Mm -hmm. uh, because you have five slots there which is it's essentially why I went for him rather than Rondon yeah um, and I was a little bit gutted because he basically could have had about four. I think he created six chances in that game. He had most. Ch- he was wasn't he most chances created and most most shots on target as well. Yeah, he basically he had a brilliant game without scoring. Uh, so 
I I watched that game and uh, saw the highlights as well, and I don't feel bad about having him my him in my team. I, I'd be very excited about the the coming game weeks with him. Uh, but Rondon as well, I think, just continues to grow and grow under Benitez, and with the front three linking up the way that they did, if that continues against better teams, then I think Newcastle could actually be a really exciting attacking prospect, which seems quite strange to to mm. say. But um, yeah, just having that that pace, but also when before it's been guys like um, who came on for Almiron, Atsu, Atsu, Christian Atsu. That's the one I'm thinking of. He looked really good because he could dribble, but he has... I don't think he's even scored a goal for Newcastle. And really? that's the difference. Yeah, that's, that's the difference. That's interesting. Amaron creates chances galore. He can finish and he's just creative. So they have a player in that role now who will be able to carry the ball, who will be, be able to do a number of the things. A uh, number of the things. <laughs> We'll be able to link up with the other players, and that's something they've been sorely missing in creating chances. Uh, Huddersfield still suck, but Lursel should give a shout out to him purely for uh, just just being quite a good goalkeeper, really. Yeah. No double game week though, so it makes him makes him maybe an okay shout for for game week thirty one if you're free hitting, but I doubt it really. But surely you can afford at that. You just go point, for someone if... better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout because I do still like Lursel. Me too. He's a good guy. Uh, Yeah, brilliant from Newcastle. I was thoroughly impressed. I just want to see if they can keep it up against better teams. It's also looking relatively more rosy for Palace than it had done in recent weeks, helped by a clinical display from Wilfred Zaha and yet another penalty for Milivojevic, finally helping to put the last nail in the coffin for Claude Puel's Mm. Leicester career. Uh, I presume alongside a beaming smile from Jamie Vardy, he's very happy about all of this. But yeah, they have a double game week on the horizon, potentially including Huddersfield. I think Palace have somehow wormed their way back into contention. They look good again. I had no idea Zaha has scored four goals in his last three Premier League games. Yeah, It's, it's crazy, isn't it? He was the one who promised so much, yet delivered so little earlier in the season, and now he's finally making good on that promise, the I guess. The thing is, he's 6.7 million, which is fine, an absolutely fine price. But he is still 10%, 10 or 11% owned, which I thought was quite Are fascinating. Are you kidding me? No, That's loads. I had no idea. I clicked on it and I was like, well, who, who is owning him? Who has him? Hmm. Apart from, obviously, the Denalysis Handsome, Handsome 11. 11. We yep. have him, but other than Ranked that... over 5 millionth in the world, which oh, I thought yeah. was quite interesting. <laughs> what you get for being handsome i guess well quite the next few fixtures like man united at home burnley away brighton at home like they're not terrible Hmm. yeah uh, i actually i fancy them for a game like the the man united one Mm, because they can play their they can play their defensive style and just punt the ball up to the likes of zaha uh batshuayi who who looked very good and townsend so it kind of suits them, that, that sort of game where they can just counter-attack. Yeah. And also, they'll probably get, get a penalty at some point because that's what they do. I mean, Milivojevic, we spoke about him a lot at the start of the season. We were sort of like, well, you know, maybe last season was a bit of a an anomaly. Maybe he can't keep this up. But he scored eight penalties this season. He is just a lot more expensive this season. That's the only problem. He is, but maybe a, a double game week con- uh, contender, Ooh. especially considering Huddersfield are one of them. Like... 
He's cheaper than Zaha. How, how much is he in total? Six? 6.2. And Zaha 6.7. Okay, 6.2 for Milivojevic. Townsend's only 5.9 though. And MacArthur mm. only 4.8. Or I might get <laughs> MacArthur in for Patterson. Okay, yeah. that's That seems an interesting sort of move uh, i'd yeah. say interesting as in not really interesting but well, for I, I, I get less it than like 5.2 million i think that's as interesting yeah. as it gets yeah i'm far too um i'm far too snobby for that kind of stuff i hate having players who cost less than like 5 million in my <laughs> team i think palace look very good this was particularly a clinical display of finishing and also had a little bit of luck if you look at batshuayi's goal i mean i couldn't tell if it was even a handball it looked like well, you said that, and then I watched it and was like, I have no idea what Dan's talking about. Yeah, like, they, showed, they showed one angle where the camera cuts away just as he, he kind of strikes it. And it looked like he moved his hand and his leg at the same time and maybe got mm. a little hand on it. But I, I didn't really watch it enough times to, to get a proper grasp on whether he did or not. Regardless, the goal counted, so it didn't really matter. But yeah, I think they they look very interesting. I wouldn't necessarily be after Palace just generally speaking, if they didn't have a, a double on the horizon. But they do have some decent fixtures as well. With um, After Man United, it's Burnley and Brighton back-to-back. Then it's obviously the blank game week. Then Huddersfield at home in, in the potential double game week. Mm. Week. <laughs> uh, so I, I'd definitely be looking at them. Maybe defensively as well, because they are quite strong. I mean, they conceded the one in this game, but against low-scoring teams as well. Uh, someone like Gaeta could be a, a good place to look, especially if you're playing bench boost on the uh, on the double. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. No double game week for Leicester, however, but there are a few players who could potentially become nice punts, considering their fixtures and the prospect of the glorious new manager bounce. Mm. So I've earmarked Harvey Barnes as... I still don't really understand who this man is. He's just really good. He's, he's come but out of the youth system. Isn't that what we thought about Madison at the start of the season? Uh, yeah, but actually, <laughs> you know, I was going to say, Barnes is top of the form table for, um, for Leicester players besides, well, for midfielders and attackers. But he's only on 2.3 points per game. So the form isn't great but he's still topping all the other attackers. And I guess that's kind of indicative of quite how bad Leicester have been in recent weeks, isn't it? They they promise so much, yet they deliver so little. And I don't know, at 5.5, he looks like a, a good sort of bargain basement pick. But as I said, it's very much a, a punt on hoping that they come good. And it probably wouldn't be the first transfer I made if I had issues elsewhere that I needed to solve. It's more like, hey, I want to get a jump on some other people. I feel like Leicester could, could kick off. Uh, but yeah, considering the fact they don't have a double game week, I mean, I still don't like them, but I wonder if with a new... It's not even a new manager. They're, they're putting a bunch of caretaker guys in charge, aren't they? But I mean, I'd see how they play against Brighton in the midweek and then yeah, go from there, to be honest. Yeah, yeah probably not worth getting too... Uh, granular on on how good Leicester might be because we don't really know yet Mm. Uh, but it wouldn't be the analysis if we didn't mention my favorite Mexican Raul Jimenez as well he's all the way up to 6.8 million and I don't think there's much left to say about them him that hasn't already been said but even if you're on the fence he's third in the FPL form table for strikers takes pens now apparently and he's got Huddersfield and Cardiff up next so yeah I saw I saw that 
Wolves had a penalty and I was like, right, well, that's going to be nervous, isn't it? Yeah, me too. I thought exactly the same. And I was like, what the hell, bro? <laughs> My guy's doing it. And now I'm starting to think, did Neves even play? Because it feels like he he did play and he didn't come off. So yeah, we're we're accurate there. We're all good. Unless he took the last one and so Jimenez took this one. I think that Neves missed the penalty recently. I think that may have happened. But I also don't pay anywhere near enough ten- attention to him specifically to know if mm. that's actually true. Uh, so <laughs> I assume that, that Jimenez is got to be the permanent penalty taken out and it's good for everyone really because Huddersfield up next at home as well and that seems like he could even be a potential captaincy option I did I mean he's I my vice at the moment away. as oh maybe you're right maybe you're right because yeah no you're right um it is Huddersfield away because they play Cardiff at home, at home. yeah and Cardiff is actually it should be mentioned that is the game that they lost earlier in the season uh, around Christmas time, and it was where I actually discovered that I love Cardiff and their crazy brand of football, uh, because they just they just didn't give up, and it was it was very very exciting to watch. So yeah, Jimenez, um, six point eight, quite expensive, but he's so consistent, and he also is another player with a double game week. Outside of him, like I I think he is the best Wolves player that you could have. So now, this week's top scorer. And this season's current top game week scorer, De La Faux. Oh, wow. What a legend. Yeah. <laughs> so I have an interesting hot take on De La Faux, actually. Mm. I think this hat-trick plus assist has been a very long time coming, and thus nobody should be shocked that this has finally happened for him. Yeah. I don't particularly foresee this happening ever again. <laughs> um which is absolutely fine. And Watford's fixtures are not great for the rest of the season. Like they're really like on and off. Like they'll have one terrible one, one good one, one bad one, one good one and it'll go on like that for the rest of the season. But I have noted that Brooks, who is 5 million now, seems like an absolutely lovely replacement for Delafeu when he returns from injury currently slated to be back on March the 9th, which is in like three game weeks time. Hmm. So not next weekend, the weekend after. Yeah, when they play Huddersfield. Yes. <laughs> which is perfect. Sign me up. Oh, absolutely. I will be bringing Brooks in that week. I'm probably going to wildcard that week. And that's the week De La Faye plays Man City. So... That is indeed the week De La Faye plays Man City. I, I do think that... There is some value in having a Watford midfielder and maybe even a a Watford defender or Foster, uh, bearing in mind that they are going to have a double game week. And it's actually quite plausible they could have a second double game week if they can get past Palace in the the FA Cup. Yeah, uh, I mean, personally, I think Watford are a better team than Palace, but Palace are also good on their day. So who knows what will happen with that tie? Uh, But their double game week will feature Man United. But I think the other team that they would have are quite crap. Southampton. Southampton, okay. And Southampton did not do well today against Arsenal. And they are exactly the kind of team that a big, sort of tough, strong, physical team like Watford could really beat up on. So um, I think it is worth keeping... Or maybe... 
bringing one of those in later, uh, closer to the the double game weeks, because they also play Fulham the week after the double game week, which is a good fixture for anyone. Um, So yeah, Watford, all in all, I do fancy them to do well, even though their fixtures aren't great. And it's more a case of can you have that one player as your fifth uh, midfielder or your fourth Mm. or fifth defender or your second goalkeeper, and you, you do a bit of uh, rotation. Uh, but yeah, I do, I do like them purely for that that reason. And on the Dale Lefebvre point, I watched the highlights just a minute ago, and yeah, they were all just brilliant counter-attacks, and he was so clinical. I think their XG was 2.11, and they scored five goals. So I wouldn't quite expect that every week, and I wouldn't quite expect that many errors from uh, a, a defence that they come up against. But Dale Lefeu, on his day, he is brilliant. And yeah. I'm just glad glad he finally had that moment and you had him in your team while he did it. Yeah. And interestingly, also, uh, Bamba, who scored the one Cardiff goal, had a price rise last night. Yeah. And I thought, y'all insane, but you do you. You know, Cardiff do have Everton and Wolves up next, though, which doesn't <laughs> strike me as horrible. No, but it doesn't also spark clean sheets thoughts so yeah but let's let's not forget everton's set piece goals conceded record you're not wrong seems very relevant and also cardiff have a double game week so excitement all round really i mean they could have two because they're slated to play man city in game week 33 Mm. and we are fairly sure that man city will knock out swansea i think that's quite likely to say the least Looking ahead to game week 28 and 29, they come in quick succession as we have some midweek fixtures. There are a few teams that would potentially make smart bets for your transfers in. So we're, yeah, we're going to look at them together, if you will. Brighton stand out as a potentially good pick for your defence if it needs shoring up, especially, again, with a double game week to come. Uh, They face Leicester away from home. Two double game weeks to come, no? Because the Man City hasn't been rescheduled. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Good times for Brighton. Could they have three? Because they're meant to have... And there's also yes. game week yeah, 33. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they yeah. could have like a triple game week somewhere, which would be crazy. That would be insane. Or just an extra double game week. But yeah. that is pretty exciting. Um, haven't been on the best form, Brighton. But they are usually good defensively. And Leicester, as we spoke about, they do a lot outside the box and they look quite good but they don't actually have any any substance to their play it seems and then it's Huddersfield at home after that so two very very possible clean sheets coming up yeah and uh yeah there's... and then the uh m23 derby to follow oh yeah against crystal palace which is possibly the hypest derby of the year 100 <laughs> percent um but also interestingly brighton haven't played a won't have played a game for 10 days hmm. by the time uh, whichever day, Tuesday or Wednesday, rolls around. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's nice they've all had a little rest. Hopefully Dunk will be fit again because he missed the cup game through yeah. injury. So if he's back, that'll be good. But yeah, no, I think it's good. I think it's good. Less stress. Time to recuperate. Yeah, I do always always wonder, like, which is better? And I... I, I guess it kind of depends on the team and the individual but sometimes having a lot of time off means you lose any momentum you might have had or but they didn't have any momentum 
well, yeah, so maybe this is a good thing because they've had time to, to relax and get it all out of their system, or maybe they're just itching to, they've been itching to play a game and they're just frustrated now. I, I don't really know, but I do agree that they are a decent little shout, uh, particularly looking at guys like Ryan and, and Dunk. And Duffy also, who's like the top scoring defender in the Premier League. Yes, top scoring in goals, that is. Not yes. actually points. Yes. But yeah, good guy. Uh, Liverpool have good fixtures. I mean, we should know this by now. Liverpool and Man City, both of them good fixtures till the end of the season, really. Uh, I think Liverpool only have Spurs left to play in the... T- oh, no, Spurs and Chelsea to play in the top six, but they're both at home, uh, both at Anfield. I would say, though, a little bit worrying... Uh, their performance today against United, they didn't really create any chances. And yeah, Mane, Firmino, Salah, like what, what's well, going Firmino on with them? Well, Firmino came off, didn't he? He did come off, but he didn't look particularly good before he came off. And he hasn't really looked good in, in prior games either. So I am wondering if uh, it's maybe time to worry about, about their attack a little bit. I'd, I'd certainly hold on to Salah. I mean, if you don't have him, you don't have him. You probably won't be bringing him in anyway. Uh, but yeah, with this run in Watford, Everton, Burnley, Fulham, even without the double game week, like he's he's got a lot of potential to score there. And their defence, obviously a clean sheet against Man United is always welcome, especially away from home. So uh, that continues to be the place to look for them. Man City, I would say, uh, if you're in a situation like you have Aubameyang or you you're basically looking to transfer someone out for Aguero. I would be mindful that they did just complete 120 minutes against Chelsea. So West Ham at home midweek sounds like a game they should be winning comfortably, but it could be a little bit trickier considering the amount of football they've just played. I mean, I was originally going to captain Sterling, but I did think as well, like, or if he plays, if he starts today, he played the whole game today, right? Yeah, he played 122, and he did score the winning penalty, so at least he's uh, yeah probably feeling good. But So the question I wanted to ask you was, I brought Son in and was pretty disappointed with, with his two points, but at the same time quite happy because I was like, well, Spurs lost, that's great. But I was planning to just bring Sterling right back in for this game week. Now I've seen what happened with Chelsea, I'm kind of thinking I might just leave Son in and bring Sterling back a week later instead. What what would you do in this situation? I guess it depends if Sterling plays in the midweek. Like if Sterling, oh, this is what I'm saying though. I'm saying if he for... doesn't, I so keeps on, yeah, for another game week because if he doesn't play in the midweek, because you can guarantee that Son is gonna play. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. Midweek. And, and also add to that that Chelsea have just played 120 minutes as well as City, so they are potentially uh, taking all of the the drama out of the equation, even just playing a 120 minutes at the weekend is going to take it out of them somewhat. And Spurs actually had the first game on Saturday. So they should yeah. be looking to bounce back quite quickly. And then if Sterling does play uh, midweek, then maybe you keep Son for the North London derby as well. Because will Sterling play Oof. Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday or whenever it was. I don't know if I can keep him for the North London derby. I mean, yeah, but then you don't want to get Sterling in if he's not going to play at the weekend. I I would say the one thing is my opinion on Sterling and Man City players and the whole rotation thing is 
even if I think they're going to be, they're potentially going to be taken out of the side, you can spend all season like trying yeah. to second guess that. So I will probably bring him back in. Well, I'll definitely bring him back in soon. Uh, but yeah, I think I'll I'll bank the transfer or maybe look to to make a move somewhere else this week. Uh, Man United have what on paper looks like good fixtures: Palace and Southampton. The Southampton one, after seeing how easily Arsenal dominated them today, I think would be the one that I'm really looking at, and I may even look at getting Pogba in for that, despite not owning him this whole time. So you could actually do Son to Pogba. I could. Although I wouldn't for Palace, because I think Palace are going to make it hard for them. No, but I mean after. So yeah, keep yeah, Son yeah. for midweek and then at the weekend do Son to Pogba. Yeah. And then you can do Pogba to Sterling. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm kind of avoiding like the, the top six clashes besides the Chelsea one, which I'm actually fairly positive on Spurs for. Yeah. So that, that does make a fair bit of sense. Uh yeah, what do you think of of these games they got coming up? So it's Palace away, Southampton at home, and Arsenal away. Uh, positive if it weren't for all of Man United's injuries. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Three so subs by half time. And Rashford was the first to be injured, but managed to stay on for the whole ninety. Yeah, so I don't know if that's going to be cause for greater concern, but it was it reminded me of the arsenal man united game in the fa cup where basically arsenal beat spurs just before was it spurs or chelsea we beat one of the top 6 sides just before that game and obviously put a lot of energy into it so when the man united game rolled around our players were just constantly dying on the pitch like on the ground holding their legs and and just constantly in pain it seemed like and it was a worry like whether or not they were all even going to get get through the the whole 90 minutes I think we lost Socrates in that game as well so I would be maybe a little bit worried this is one to keep an eye on for sure I I think a lot of people have at least two with uh, Pogba and Rashford if not three having someone like Lindelof for sure as well so this could be potentially worrying actually well I'm fine with Lindelof I think defensively it's not such a concern hmm but definitely with attacking players, I'm a little worried. And I'm not looking to... I'm not going to get rid of Pogba. Yeah. Definitely for the next two fixtures, even if literally everybody's injured. I like, mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I don't know if it's worth it, but I think it's something to just be aware of. So maybe when you're thinking about captaincy, he sh- maybe shouldn't be your first choice. Yeah. But maybe he should, I don't know. Yeah, it depends on your vibes. Uh, West Ham don't have the best fixture with uh, Man City away next. But Arnautovic looked freaking brilliant on Friday night. And again, bear in mind that City did play a full 120 minutes and they lost Fernandinho to injury, which could be significant. If we think about last time they lost him to injury, uh, they lost back-to-back games against, what was it, Leicester and Crystal Palace? Mm. And we all know what happened with Leicester after that. So So it's uh, potentially a worry for City. Uh, Also, did they... Did they lose anyone else? Oh yeah, Laporte came off at half time as well with an injury. So Oh. It kinda looks like it could be a bit worrying for them defensively, and City have shown themselves to be liable to concede against any team this season. Uh so while I wouldn't necessarily be be shouting to bring West Ham players in, 
uh, for the game against City. They do have good fixtures after it, and it could be just a a good little punt if you really felt like catching people out, I guess, or getting a little little differential. Also promising that Lanzini is back because with him and Arnautovic and uh, I think he came on for Anderson, didn't he? So it would have been good to see all those, uh, like those three together linking up. But when he came on, I thought that West Ham just looked really, really bright up front, bright in attack, like everyone linking up well, playing quick passes. And it's something that they've missed for a long time with having to deal with the likes of Snodgrass and, and Noble for their attacking play and just leaving um leaving Anderson to run past five or six players to, to try and create something. So all in all, looking up for the Hammers and a quick shout out for Arsenal. They have Bournemouth next, then it's Man United, uh, Spurs and Man United. So not necessarily the ideal time to start bringing them in. Uh, but I did think they put in a really encouraging performance today. And Aubameyang, even though he only played 15 minutes, he could have scored twice and had an assist. So it was one of those frustrating ones where it's like he has no time whatsoever to actually score. But he still almost did it. And you're you're constantly constantly have your heart in your mouth just hoping he'll do it because I'm sure like many other people I, I had uh, Aubameyang captained and was hoping for just some kind of return any kind of return but it didn't happen uh, with Bournemouth up next though I think that should should be a good little fixture mm. and you'd hope he'd start as well because he's had a little rest yeah exactly and I don't I don't actually know when the next Europa League game is, but I don't think it's until a few weeks later. So I would think that he'll be back in the side and, well, he's going for the golden boot, isn't he? We need to get get him scoring the goals again. Mm. All right. Shall we have a quick look at the Denalysis domestic and who, who stood out this week, Natalie? I did. What? <laughs> no way! I, I am the top scorer in the Denalysis Domestic this week. Are you kidding me? No. Tell us a little bit about your your masterful week that you. Uh... The thing is, it wasn't actually that remarkable. Um, I'm my game week rank was thirty five thousandth. That's pretty pretty good though. Yeah, uh, it's my best game week rank this season. I think. So I had De La Foe, which was obviously a big, big rank boost right there. Ting, yeah. And then Barnes and Jimenez, uh, both with seven points. And then Robertson, Shaw and Lindelof at the back doing me Excellent. all of the favours. Um, so yeah, it's pretty mad. I'm quite pleased. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Going into this game week, I wasn't filled with joy. Hmm. And I believe it was only last week we were talking about De La Feu, And you were kind of thinking, you know, this guy, what is he doing? What is he doing in my team? Just sitting there getting two points every week. Yeah. And, um, You've just got to hold out for these types, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I did. And you got your rewards. I did. I really did. Yes, but we do have a new leader at the top of the Denialysis Domestic. And it is James Andrew, who was second in the game week rankings this week. Uh, I'd love to find it, but I've closed the tab. I think he scores 65. Yeah. Um. So congratulations oh, awesome. to him. Also. Oh, sorry, what what was your total score? Sixty nine. Sorry. Sixty nine. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. That's yeah, that's really good. In a, in a week that also a lot of the big players didn't score, so that's. Oh, and James, sorry, James, but you also did take a minus four. 
Oh, naughty boy. So whilst I respect your decision, because obviously it, you really it only was got sixty-one, definitely worth it. You did yeah. only get sixty-one points, yeah. but uh, he played a four-five-one as well, which is absolutely well, bonkers. <laughs> I, I saw a a minus four earlier on, who finished on twenty-eight points this week. If you take the minus four away, so it's it's not been a great week for for many people mm. with all those all those blanks. But yeah, good times overall. Okay, so we're going to mix things up a little bit this week, seeing as we've kind of given you a little preview of the, the coming weeks. We're just going to look at captaincy picks for Game Week 28 and mix in our clean sheet cut predictions. I believe, uh, sorry, also Game Week 29. I almost forgot to mention that. Uh, I believe we both failed on our clean sheet cut predictions last week. Yeah, you Am I said... Right in that? Leicester, I know what I said. Leicester Crystal Palace nil nil. <laughs> Five goals. Uh, so, yeah, no, it happens to the best of us. It did look for some period of time like there weren't going to be any goals, despite Leicester constantly taking shots. But, yeah. Uh, what did you say? I said West Ham. West Ham. And a little bit unlucky in the end. I mean, they mm-hmm. did give away some good chances, though. Okay, so game week 28. Uh, a nice midweek bunch of fixtures. I like this because they're mostly at the same time. We have Cardiff Everton, Huddersfield Wolves, Leicester Brighton and Newcastle Burnley all on Tuesday. The very weird mid-table, lower table yeah, fixtures. It's, it's kind of like they split them up to like the, here's the, the low end guys. Yeah. And not really a lot of like scoring teams here either. It's all, no. it's not even the exciting mid-tablers. But I don't know, maybe I th- there's no... I guess maybe Jimenez. Do do you think he's genuinely worth considering as a captaincy option? I don't think it's a bad differential shout at all. Yeah. Uh, I won't do it myself, but I don't think it's a bad idea. I'd maybe vice him, I think, actually. Yeah, that's that's what I've got at the moment. Like a little fun vice. Because I, I, I love him, but the thing is, and the thing I find about Wolves in particular, is when you think they're going to score loads, they really they don't. They never do, yeah. And it's against the teams that... The, you'd expect them to lose against that they really show up. And I think um, Jimenez did this against both Chelsea and Spurs earlier in the season. Mm. So it's certainly something to look out for. But Huddersfield are really bad. We know this. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anyone else I'd look at here. And then on Wednesday, we have Arsenal Bournemouth, Southampton Fulham, Chelsea versus Spurs, Palace versus Man United, Liverpool versus Watford, and Man City versus West Ham. Mm. There's a number of captainable fixtures here. I mean, Arsenal-Bournemouth, Aubameyang back in with a shout, assuming yeah. he starts. I actually took the captaincy off Aubameyang, but actually I think I might put it back on. I quite like this fixture. Yeah. And I obviously we'd assume that Aubameyang was probably going to start. Yeah, and really, Arsenal could have scored five or six goals against Southampton today. Like... Didn't really speak too much about them, but I thought they were, in general, like they worked really hard, even Ozil when he came off the bench. And one of the criticisms about Arsenal recently has been that they haven't created the chances. Uh, a lot of their goals have been reliant on cutbacks from Kolasinac, who, by the way, was also freaking brilliant today. Um, but they created chances from a, a number of different moments. It wasn't just purely reliant on, on trying to get Kolasinac through. And Lacazette missed a number of chances too. So it, actually, if you have Lacazette, I think he could also be a shout. Yeah. 
if he decides to uh, have his shooting boots on. And yeah, I'm actually quite encouraged by their performance. This is another good good home fixture for them. Uh, Chelsea Spurs, I'm not brave enough to go for Son because I don't really truly believe that that Spurs are going to hammer them or anything. I just feel like he's a player that I do want in my team for this game. Mm. Uh, do you feel like any Spurs players or or even Chelsea players would be worth looking at? No, I don't like it. Providing you own them. I feel like you just, like, you're not sure. You can't predict where this is going to go. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool versus Watford and Man City versus West Ham both look quite tasty. I mean, Liverpool-Watford, this is the fixture where... Salah scored a million goals last season, although I believe it was actually the reverse fixture at um, wherever Watford play. I forget the Vicarage name of Road. that. Vicarage Road, that's it. Yeah, I originally, when the game week first began, I did put my captaincy on Salah, but I've been very underwhelmed by their performances recently, and I don't know, they, they looked good again against Bournemouth. But they just don't seem to be 100% clicking right now. And it's one of the rare occasions where I feel like, okay, I'm happy to take it away from Salah and go for someone who's maybe going to be a little bit less highly picked. But uh, Mm. how do you feel about him? Yeah, much the same, I think. Like, not inspired. Yeah. Especially considering Watford have been playing quite well. And I think their defence under Javi Grazia is much better than it was under Marco Silva. Uh, Marco Silva on a number of occasions got hammered like five or six goals by five or six goals so they do look a little bit more resilient under Javi mm-hmm. something to look out for and Man City I yeah initially I would have gone for someone like Sterling or Aguero but yeah I'd be quite worried about the 120 minutes for sure I'd be quite worried about pep rotation uh, I think this is exactly the kind of game he'd rotate in because it's a midweek fixture because he's just seen some injuries to key players and he probably doesn't want to lose more. Uh, think about guys like Mares who didn't even get a look in this week. Um, even Sane started on the bench, so maybe this is a, a good opportunity for him to use guys like him and uh, Jesus. Mm. And I probably wouldn't risk the captaincy. And that's kind of what makes me think also there's an opportunity for West Ham here. So do you know who you want for a clean sheet cut pick this week? In game week twenty eight, that is. I guess it's it's wolves. I guess. Yeah, that's the one that I would say, but I don't want to say because okay. I don't want to jinx it. I'm gonna have it then. Yeah, I. Oh god, this is so. I should say Liverpool, but actually, because again, I don't want to jinx my own. I'm between Newcastle and Cardiff, and I'm gonna say Cardiff because then at least I get over nice and quickly, and I could even just. I could even just bring in Bamba this week for lols, actually. I mean, you could. That'd be quite fun. Maybe I will. I, I was planning on bringing him in anyway, so... Okay. Let's do well, it. Go for it. And then we have Game Week 29, which begins on the weekend with Spurs versus Arsenal. And I'm even a little bit tempted Who to just... wants this at 12.30? <laughs> I think the North London derby earlier in the season was 12.30 as well. And no, it I... wasn't. It was a Sunday afternoon. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. I think it was a two o'clock. Super and Sunday. And then there was a four o'clock after, yeah. Right, I see. But I certainly had the armband on Aubameyang in that game, and it was very, very good and very exciting. So I'm tempted to just do it again. 
uh, just for old time's sake, even though there are arguably much better fixtures in here, such as Bournemouth versus Man City, which, although City are away from home, this absolutely reeks of the kind of fixture where City win 5 or 6 nil, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe. I think here with Man City, you have to see what happens in the midweek, who they play, how they play, hmm. and then go from there. There's someone else I like more for it. Midweek also get considered. Yeah, a lot can change in uh, in the space of a few days, of mm. course. I I think if you ask me, you know, on paper, who would I pick? It's going to be one of Aguero or Sterling for this fixture. Uh, but I'm probably going to go with Aubameyang purely because of my heart. Um, Brighton Huddersfield, Burnley Palace, Man United Southampton... So this is another one, actually. You could look at someone like Pogba for this game. I think injury-dependent and stuff, I really like Pogba for this, and that's probably what I'd do. If if everything was safe and secure, Pogba is definitely where I'd look in this game week. Yeah, and I think while Hasenhutl has greatly improved Southampton, you're really starting to see the limitations in their squad at the moment. Like, they do not have a lot of players. They do not have a lot of attackers. And, and you know, Ings still isn't back. Yeah. And they, their defence is kind of... Uh, they do the right things, but I think the quality just isn't there. And especially when they're playing away from home against a team like United with Pogba playing well and playing with freedom. It's it's the kind of game that he's just going to tear up in. Whether he scores like five or just just the one like I, I think he's yeah. definitely going to do something in this game which makes me think I should really be looking at saving my transfer this week so I can bring him in without a minus four yeah uh Wolves play Cardiff I probably wouldn't look here for captaincy um with with someone like Jimenez purely because Cardiff you know they are quite good on their day and West Ham Newcastle should be a really interesting one for the late kickoff I don't really know who I think is better here. Like West Ham, like I said, they've they've had a bunch of players come back with Lanzini returning and uh Nasri should be back by by this uh weekend fixture as well. I think they look a lot better. I also think Newcastle are a lot more organized defensively and it could turn out to be quite an interesting contest, but captaincy wise I mean this may be interesting because it's a little bit later in the day, but it'd be a big differential risk. I don't mm. think I'd I'd look there really. I don't know if I agree about your no Jimenez captain against Cardiff. Really? Yeah. Go on. I think it's just as good a differential pick as Jimenez against whoever they play next. Huddersfield. Uh, Huddersfield. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I still I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Yeah. I think there are better options, but I don't think it's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if this this week could throw up some surprises because there are. Maybe maybe Southampton turn up. Maybe uh, maybe Bournemouth are actually quite good against City. I, I don't know. But for me, it just feels like Jimenez, while he's great, he rarely gets double figures. And Cardiff seem like the kind of team that are going to make it difficult for them. Uh, on Sunday, we have Watford versus Leicester as an early kickoff. Uh, Fulham versus Chelsea at two o'clock. And Everton versus Liverpool, the late game the Merseyside derby and I was actually looking originally at bringing in Van Dyke for our game week 28 just a week before but then I looked at this fixture and I thought even though I think Everton are absolutely terrible 
when it's a Merseyside derby, I just I don't think it's the same because there's a different level of motivation that goes into that. For that reason alone, I would say avoid Liverpool captains. Maybe that's not a popular opinion. Maybe lots of people will be looking at Salah, especially being late in the game week. But I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he's he's worth a shout for this one or do you think it's a risk? I do think it's a little risky. I don't think it's, again, I don't think it's a terrible idea. Hmm. But it definitely is a little risky. But hmm. with North London derby at the start of the game week and Merseyside derby at the end of the game week, you're not left with like a whole load of options. Yeah. Like, there are options in the middle, but they're all at three o'clock on Saturday. And are we that keen on that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I genuinely think I just want to get out of the way and, and have the nice 1230 one and then not have to worry about it anymore. Mm. Uh, but But it should be said that like Spurs Arsenal is historically a goal fest. Yeah. And sure. if you look at how both teams are defending at the moment, like both are conceding for fun. Uh, credit where credit's due, Mustafi wasn't actually terrible today, bar one or two moments of, of bad positioning. But I don't think either of these teams are particularly well organised and they've just got to go hammer and tongs trying to get goals. So it's going to be exciting. I am worried that we might get hammered, but it could go either way. So I I just bet on the one that I'm fairly sure there's going to be goals in. I feel a similar sort of way about the Man City Bournemouth game, but the fact that it's away from home and City playing a lot of games, it does kind of make me second guess that a little bit. Mm. How about your clean sheet cut pick? I'll have Brighton, please. Brighton at home to Huddersfield. Of course you will. It's a good one. Uh, I might even go for Watford at home to Leicester. Even with the new uh, manager bounce on the case, I reckon Watford will do it. I reckon my man Kiko is going to come through for me. Hopefully he's back by then. All right, I guess that pretty much wraps up our podcast for this week, unless you have anything else to say, Natalie. I don't. No? All right, so if you enjoyed this podcast and if you got this far, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. You don't have to do the review if you really don't want to, but five stars is much appreciated. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at The Denalysis and you can email us at hello at the denalysis.com. Uh, yeah, that is it. That is it. And we've got two quick game weeks to look forward to. I do always like those because at least if it goes wrong in game week 28, it's only a couple of days to, to get to the next one. And your transfers don't feel so horribly... Like, you know when you have, like, two weeks to, to think about a transfer or something? I don't like that. I don't like that vibe. I don't... I just don't think about it until the day before. Yeah. I See, I can't do that. I always want to have it sorted, like, immediately. And then I start getting annoyed when it... When the week comes around and there's new information. Like, no, Kiko yeah. Femenia is still injured. Yeah, I'm always too worried about injuries. Hmm. Like that one Basaka injury, even though I still hadn't made my transfers when it came about, scared the life out of me. Well, actually, that is the thing. I think the reason I do it so early is so I can switch off and just try not to think about it. And you're just the opposite. You just don't think about it until it does come. Yeah. You have the art of patience. Yeah, it's been fun anyway. So... Good luck to everyone in Game Week 28 and 29. We'll probably be 
back next weekend with another podcast around a similar time. Uh, and yeah, it'll be like double game week hype time. I mean, maybe we'll even start to have some announcements around around the time we do the next podcast. Probably not, but we can hope. So uh, best of luck to everyone. Uh, until next week, goodbye. Bye.